0: Today our gospel lesson comes from the Gospel of John. I'll be reading from the 14th chapter, verses 1 through 14 again. That is John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. I would invite invite you, if able, to stand for the reading the gospel message. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would, have told you, I would not have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may also be. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not believe, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you. The one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And in the name, if in my name you ask for anything, I will do it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm going to do something to you that I uh, I do to our high schoolers a lot when uh, on Wednesday nights when we're doing the programs and and I'm doing a Bible lesson with them. I like to mix up my teaching style. I like I like to include lots of different things. Um, obviously, teaching on the Bible and Scripture is preeminent; it's the most important thing that I do. But I just like to mix a few other things in there. Sometimes it's vocabulary. Other times it's physics, sometimes it's calculus and math. Oh, the kids love this. They get so excited. I can tell because they close their eyes really tight in anticipation. We even had them ask, Why do you do this? And I said, Well, one, it's important for us to learn, so to be challenged. But in truth, part of it is just fun. So I wanted to start today's um, sermon with a little bit of a vocabulary quiz. Have any of you heard of eschatology? No one? Of course, the next thing i ask is who wants to say it, and of course, no one ever wants to talk in church. So, how about parousia? That sounds like I'm making up words to somebody, all that. he's just making stuff up now. Okay, well, anyway, these are some fancy words for some very common things that are in our lives. First of all, eschatology is simply the study of the end times. It is anything that we do, the way we study, where we're promised to go. And let's face it, lots of people like to do that. I mean, I get a lot of people, why don't we hear, Why don't you preach on Revelation? Why don't we hear more about Revelation? I say, because it's really not fun. I mean, it's okay when you're in a Bible study and can talk back and forth, but to have a preacher just stand up here and talk about some creature with 13 horns and, you know, the... Lady from Babylon, I'm not going to go with what the Bible calls her, because even though it is in the Bible, we still shouldn't say certain things in big groups. But there's a lot of scary images in that. And let's face it, there's also a lot of things that have come out of that. The Left Behind series, anybody big fans? I'm not going to make fun of you. I mean, I love to watch different movies and different apocalyptic scenarios. I don't know why. It's just, it's just kind of fun. And so, of course, Left Behind series, let's face it, is, of all of the apocalyptic literature, is the most wholesome. I mean, it at least is based in Scripture and not just some guy in Hollywood's fantasy about how the world's going to end. But we think about it. We don't like to, but it's like anything else. It's, you know, sometimes you just can't help it. You just can't help think about what it's going to be like and how's it going to go. And so we desire that. And so in um, theology there is a whole section devoted to the study of all of the sayings and all of the things that point towards and lead to the end times. Of course, what's really funny is when you talk to people in church and ask what they think about it. And we all have these preconceived notions. I still remember when I was a kid, you know, a Sunday school teacher one time trying to get us excited about it said, you'll be able to eat all the ice cream you want. I went, that's pretty awesome. But if that's all heaven is, let's face it. I think we're really downplaying God's creation of what God has told us. Matter of fact, I think it's better for us instead of to imagine. I mean, for example, anybody ever heard what the streets will be paved with? Well, and that's pretty cool, right? Except for if the streets are paved with gold, that likens gold to asphalt. And so probably really not as cool as we think, ultimately. Not to mention, I would imagine in the sun it gets pretty hot. I don't know. And then of course there's the pearly gates and there's the fact that we're all gonna get wings. Anybody looking forward to that? You're not getting wings. hate to disappoint you. You're human beings. You're going to be human beings. Matter of fact, I don't even know what we're physically going to look like. Because here's the problem with that. This is where we go from vocabulary to some of my physics. We can't contemplate what it will be like in heaven because we can't contemplate something that is beyond the reality of space and time. Because if we don't talk about space and time or no longer are confined or constrained by that, then how do we get somewhere? Wouldn't you already be there? And how long will it last? Well, if you don't have time, what does long mean anyways in terms of things lasting? So the simple fact is, is that we as human beings in our current state can't possibly understand what it's going to be like on the end. However, we have a God who loves us and has given us his word in Scripture. Now, he hasn't given us the total word. God does not give us all the secrets, although there are some people out there that talk and act like they know everything. I mean, <clears throat> I think a lot of it is conjecture and imagination. After all, again, not picking on them, but how many books were there in the Left Behind series? 14? You know, fits on a space of your shelf like this, Revelation, how many chapters? 22? I'm thinking he might have added some stuff. There might have been a little extra put in there. But today in our scripture, we have one of the eschatological sayings of Jesus, one of the sayings about the end times. Jesus begins with, do not let your hearts be troubled. In other words, he's saying, don't be afraid, don't worry, don't be in turmoil. And of course, part of the reason he's saying that is because he's been talking to them lately about what's going to happen. He's pointing towards their trip into Jerusalem. He's pointing in, not to the end of all times, but the end of their times together, that he knows that he is heading to the cross. And he knows that this will be very troubling for them. He knows that this will be a time when they will be shifted and shaken. When their metal will be tested. And so he's prepared them by, again, trying to reassure them, telling them it's all going to be okay. It's like a father or mother in the storm or in a scary situation when the wind's blowing, when the trees are scraping, when the children are beside themselves and the parents are like, it's going to be okay. Have you ever been in a situation where you were just totally terrified as a child and somebody you loved and trusted told you it was going to be okay? And, of course, it made you feel better. Now, of course, the slight difference there is, I've learned since I've become a father and have said that same thing. It's going to be okay, and that's followed by the subtle ending of that sentence in your head. I think, or I hope, because we don't possibly have the ability to make everything okay in this world. Matter of fact, that is one of the most difficult things in dealing with people and their lives and the different pains and the things that people go through. You walk into a hotel I and mean, into a hospital room. And I got to tell you, the first year I was in ministry, I did this more often than not. And it's just one of the dumbest things a pastor can say when first walking in. and say, like, hey, how you doing? Well, I'm in the hospital. I got tubes stuck in me. How you think I'm doing, smart guy? Of course, they're usually at this point, they're just glad that you're there. So I haven't had too many people mock me. I have one or two. I actually thought that was, it was, it was humorous afterwards, it was going kind to of break the ice. But it's that tendency we have to try to make people feel better, even if we don't have the solution at hand ourselves. But here, Jesus, knowing what they're going to be going through and knowing that they're going to need this, is beginning to do some things that will help and tell them some things that are going to help them feel better. And so he begins with do not let your hearts be troubled. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. There are many dwelling places. In other words, there is a place for you. No matter what happens in this world, no matter what you face, no matter what you go through, no matter how long or short it is until you reach that place, there is a place for you. And isn't that good news? Matter of fact, I think that's probably... About the best thing we could hear is knowing no matter what we face, we have a place in God's plan. Would you agree with me? Is that not good news? Is that not enough? If we could could finish right there, go have some barbecue with the kids and celebrate, and it would be a good Sunday. Amen? Yeah, you're not getting off that easy. We still got to go through communion, and I've got a few more um, pages. They laugh. It's true. I only have one page, so we're all good. Well, what he's saying is there is a place for you, and so we have this hope in this destination. However, as hopeful and as great as that is, that's not all that he offers to us. You see, again, Scripture answers Scripture, and the sayings of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus come to us through the gospel, but also through the epistles, through the letters. And so not only... Is there a place for us that Jesus is preparing for us? Not only is there a destination that we have that is eternity. Not only no matter what happens in this world, no matter what falls apart, we know that we have a place to go and will be. But more than that, Peter also tells us about who this is that is telling this. Is. Who is Jesus Christ? He is the living stone on which God builds. Moreover, He's not just the living stone, but like Him, we too will become living stones. He is the cornerstone, and we will be built up into what? We will be built into a spiritual house by the Father. In other words, God has plans for us. Jesus coming down and talking to us wasn't just about where we're going. But it's about who we've been. Who we are. It's about... The totality of it. It's not just the destination. It's not just the journey. But it is both. And so, yes, there are many rooms. There are places that we have that where we will dwell. And that's good news. Put that in the bank. Don't let your hearts be troubled as much. But moreover, it's not just about where we're going to and about someday. Because let's face it, sometimes when we're in pain, sometimes when we're suffering, we need a little bit more than just a hope that it will get better. Has anybody here ever been told, it'll be all right, it'll get better, and all you could think of was, but what about now? I know when I'm in pain, the pain will subside. But when I'm in pain, I also know that I'm hurting right now. And so Jesus not only talks about the future and what is to come, but He's also talking about what happens now. And through Peter... The Spirit speaks about this that through the presence of Christ, the living stone, we are currently built into a spiritual house, not just someday, not just some future dwelling place, but even now, as we are here, we are included and we are like Christ, and that we also are living stones. And we are built into the spiritual house because it's not just about where we're going and what we're going to be, it's about who we already are. And as we're built into the spiritual house, What is it that he calls us? What is it that Peter claims on our behalf? You are a royal priesthood. You are chosen. You are, not you will be, but you are God's people. The whole idea of this is the already and the not yet. It is not simply that we are going to a place where we will be, but we are already in a relationship where we are. In our current relationship, there is going to be trouble. There is a reason that Jesus has to say a few times in the Scriptures, do not let your hearts be troubled. Or do not worry about tomorrow, for there are worries enough today. He knows He's going through it. And there is a resolution, but there also is a healing balm. There is a purpose. There is something currently going on. It is both the destination and the journey. And in the journey, we are called to higher standards. Now, I'm not going to mock them too much, but something happened this weekend that I really couldn't care less about. You may have heard some guy named Charlie over in England got a crown. Cool, not cool. Nobody cares. I don't know, it's got to be a little bit cool because, you know, they have this whole history of a royal family. As Americans, we're like, meh, we got rid of that with the T in Boston. However, for some, this idea of being royalty, going back to what we were talking about earlier, a little bit of bragging, I mean, we, 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 we sometimes like to be thought of. All right, young ladies, how many of you like the idea that you are the princess of your family? They're like, oh, no, not me. Yeah, the brothers over there going, mm-hmm. well, brothers, go ahead and be prepared because the princesses grow up to be queens. But that's okay. I believe that as long as we don't get too caught up in that, for we are all called a royal priesthood. We are all talked about this. In other words, when God sees us, he sees his creation as something special, as something unique, as something that stands above, something that he has set apart. Is that not Pretty cool. God, the Father, the creator of heaven and earth, the maker of all things known and unknown, has created us specially and uniquely. And then he has called us a royal priesthood, a chosen race of believers, his own people. He has put that on us. But even more than that, he has also promised. What is it that Jesus says? I will show you the Father. Well, great, show us the Father. No, I am showing you the Father. The Father is in me and I am in Him. But not only that, this abiding between the Father and the Son, this connection between Christ the Redeemer and our Father in Heaven. This spiritual connection that we can't possibly fully fathom or get or understand totally is available to us as well because it's not just about the relationship between them, which is perfect, but then we are brought in at God's choice and choosing. I make jokes about the folks in England because they have a strict way it happens. But isn't it kind of cool that we can just look at someone in our family and say, this is my princess or this is my beloved queen. Doesn't that make us feel good about our connection with one another? Doesn't that make them feel special? Yes, no. Some of you are like going, uh-huh. Of course, I have to admit, I know the truth. There's some ladies out there going, I am no princess. I am woman, hear me roar. And I didn't by any means, don't cancel me, don't, don't. I'm old school, I'm old fashioned, and it just happens. You know, I haven't learned, at least learned not to call young ladies darling anymore, or sweetheart, because apparently that's the meaning, even though it's not meant to be. Um, it's probably why I no longer wear a uniform, they, they They got all politically correct, and I got out. But if you think about it on principle, though, as a term of endearment, that our Father in heaven, each one of us is special and unique in His sight, that He's chosen us each individually, that not only has He chosen us, but He sent His Word into us, He sent His Spirit into us, and through that, that He actually manifests and abides in us, He is not just someone we hope to meet someday on high, but He, through His Spirit, He, through the Word that is proclaimed, He, through the Word that is found in Scripture, through the elements of the sacraments, in all of these things, in this divine way that we cannot fully understand, He abides and lives in us and has claimed us to be His own so that we may know the truth of who we are, and that is we are God's. And when I say we are gods, that is G-O-D, apostrophe S, as in the possessive. I saw some people go, wait a minute, he's calling us princesses. No. We belong to God. And we are given God's love. And because of that, yes, we have a place that we are going to. And that by itself should be enough to rejoice and sing his praises. But we also have one that currently lives in us and has built us through our relationship with Christ and through our relationship with one another into this spiritual building where we will receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this next part is the part that is what we in my profession call the gotcha section. So far, we're all good. Everybody good with being a spiritual building? Anybody not? Don't raise your hand if I about that. Just... But a spiritual building, just like the tabernacle, just like anything else, was not meant to contain. It was meant to be the focal point for what God is doing in our world. And so we are the focal points. We are not a priesthood unto ourselves so that we can just sit around with one another and feel good about being Christians together, although that is a pretty good feeling and we're going to have fellowship and we're going to enjoy that together. But it's more than that. Matter of fact, as fun as this is and as good as that is, as good as it is to be in worship with you, let me tell you something right now. What do they say about faith that has no works? It is dead. And what is a church that has no mission or mercy in the community? It's a pile of rubble. Albeit a pretty pile in some cases. At that point, it's just a building. But we were not meant to just be a building we are called to be that spiritual building that is filled with God's Spirit, that is filled with His good news, which is filled with the hope of where we are going to and whose we are. And then to take that into our community. To share that with our neighbors. To invite them in here, but also to help establish others in other locations. Faith in Christ is not an end point in of itself. The end point is being with him after everything's done. We happen to be currently still on the journey, which means we are to be partners with Christ in what he's doing. We have to be his hands and his feet and his mouth, serving within this local community, our broader community, and in the world, showing Christ's love through the way we treat people, the way we talk about people, most importantly, the way we support and defend those who need it most. Brothers and sisters, a lot of the other stuff that I started with were fancy things, and some of it was even humorous. I saw some of you smile a little bit. I saw a few hands kind of. I love Presbyterians. Raise your hand. Come on, I know some of you are former Baptists. You can do it. See? It always gets a laugh. It never gets a hand raised, but it always gets a laugh. <laughs> None of that really matters. What matters most and is most essential is just this. God has chosen you. God has called you. And God has loved you. For you belong to he who created you. He created you for a purpose. You may not know it now. You may not fully understand it. But he will develop it in, through, and sometimes in spite of the choices that we make. But let us strive to receive His Spirit. Let us strive to do His will. And let us strive to reflect His glory by being living stones built upon that precious cornerstone. Amen? Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and Father, I give you thanks and praise for this day and the many blessings that you have given to us, for the word that you have offered us through your Holy Spirit in our Holy Scriptures, for the meal of this table provided by Christ's willing sacrifice, and for your love, which stretches out beyond all time and all space, and that calls us to be in relationship with you, then now and forevermore. We pray this in all things in Christ's holy name. Amen and amen.